Hello and welcome to Propnex, the property podcast about all things related to the future of real estate. I'm delighted that you've joined me today. My name is Gavin Morgan, your host. If you'd like to know a little bit more about me, please check out www.propnex.com. That's P-R-O-P-N-X.com. Or drop me a line if you'd like to chat privately on Gavin R. Morgan at propnex.com. That's G-A-V-I-N-R-M-O-R-G-A-N at propnex.com. Gary McCausland, thank you very much for joining us today on Propnex. Hey, Gav, I'm delighted to be here. Thank you. Gary, it's really interesting for me to have you on the show. Uh, You and I have known one another since university days uh, and have been long swapping real estate stories. Uh, But certainly for me, I mean, you represent one of the most entrepreneurial and successful self-made real estate professionals from the island of Ireland, certainly from Northern Ireland. Maybe kick us off today by telling us a little bit about your career and how you got to the position that you're in today, uh, particularly um, as Chief Executive Officer of Richland Group. Gav, thanks very much for that. And it's great to see you again, looking so well, I might add. Uh, so yeah, I started uh, at at Ulster University um, many years ago in a degree in real estate. I did a postgrad in accountancy. And then after that, I joined a company called Cable & Wireless, a telecoms company. I was with them several years and started just at a very basic level in Belfast. I worked my way up to the head office in London quite quickly, where I was a property director for the UK. Uh, then I got headhunted for another company called MCI Worldcom, a US telecoms company to look after their international affairs, travelled all over the world, was involved in billions of pounds worth of real estate transactions. Uh, And I finished uh, one year with the Carlyle Group, helping them buy data centres all across Europe. And that was really my corporate uh, years, sort of about 10 to 12 years, cutting my teeth, really getting great experience, good learning curves, making lots of mistakes as you do, but having lots of successes as well. So that worked out really well. And about 20 years ago, then I started the Richland Group and uh, the name comes from First Development Richmond Hill in London and my surname McCausland, Richland, sounds pretentious, not meant to be. And during those years, I was uh, at some TV work. I was a presenter for a show called How to Be a Property Developer that did three series primetime. I did a couple of shows in the US. Uh, In fact, I was actually offered to move across the US for a bit, but I sat as then the UK for various reasons. And um, once the TV career was good, it wasn't where I wanted to go. I wanted to be the CEO of my own company and develop properties. I opened a bar restaurant in London, had an hotel in Portugal, uh, director on uh, the board of Ulster University. I've helped several charities, have a good few successes, as you say, but a uh, good few failures too. I mean, you know, as long as the successes outweigh the failures, I find that is the way to go in life. <laughs> So, uh, no, very um, modest and humble about it all, but uh, also very ambitious. Love the cut and trust of the business world. And uh, over the last 20 years of sort of running my own businesses, and especially now with the Richland Group and Hubflow, it's exciting times ahead, dynamic times ahead. But, you know, strap on your seatbelt. 
I completely second that. And uh, yeah, I totally agree. Real estate is just, it's a fantastic place to have a career. Um, but the future of real estate, uh, for me as a, I don't know, a 30 year veteran of the industry, Gary, I know you've similar tenure in the industry. When I look ahead at the next five years versus the sort of 30 years gone by, I think we'll likely see more change in the next five years than the past 30 always been a slow moving industry doesn't typically adopt change very quickly but now with technology starting to really get its teeth into all aspects of the industry uh, sustainability finally and thankfully at the front of everything that all developers are trying to do uh, it's just it's such an exciting path ahead uh, that i suspect gary that's partly why you've embarked on the hubflow venture uh, it feels to me that's you know that's it's something that's going to help take the Richland Group um, into the future of real estate at the helm of the future of real estate. Could you maybe just talk to us a little bit about why the group has pivoted into that space, what your aspirations are for it, and how you feel that that plays into your future of real estate aspirations for the overall group. Well, when I was working back in corporate years ago, I remember looking at the Regis model and thinking, you know, that probably is the future of how people are going to work in offices. Uh, people want flexibility. Uh, they want value for money. Uh, they want somewhere where they can network with other people. And at the beginning of COVID, we were already thinking about looking at uh, the serviced office co-working space. And then when COVID happened, I really felt look. Everything's going to change now. The way people are working, the way they want to use space, the way corporates use space, the way entrepreneurs use space, SMEs, um, that's taken a massive pivot now. And as you say, I always say the property world's like a super tanker. It's very, very slow moving. Um, it's If you want to get into port, you have to start slowing the engines about 75 mile out and starting them up the same to get going. So property is a kind of slow moving animal, but we have seen massive dynamic shifts in the last uh, couple of years and I think that's going to continue and Hubflow is a property company but it's a property company that offers incredible office space to people and businesses uh, that's flexible that's good value for money um, obviously you need super fast connectivity and wi-fi and, and networking and community is incredibly important as well. Thanks, Gary. Um, Gary, you and I have also talked about dynamic ecosystems. And I mean, for me, um, when I look at office space or, or just generally buildings today, and I look at the office and the retail and the leisure and car parking, etc., the component parts of the asset, and they all still operate in a relatively siloed way in most places. For me, um, flexibility or organization's ability to breathe within assets partly defines what I see as the future of real estate. I think we'll see dynamic ecosystems, buildings that operate almost like organisms rather than the siloed or the siloed type structures that we've got today. I've always seen flexibility and technology as key drivers to taking us to the end of that journey. I also think that we potentially move away from traditional leases to a more membership-type model uh, to help the industry get the full way down the path of that road as well. 
Is Hubflow a business that you think could support that type of ecosystem moving forward? And is that part of your aspiration for the group? Well, I think um, in order to be successful, it's not even do we think we can support that. We have to support that because that's the future. That's the way things are changing. Uh, work, pleasure, uh, where you live, all these things are all blurring into sort of one big equation now. What's in the past, you know, you'd start working on Monday morning at nine, you'd finish Friday five. That's not really working anymore. Uh, people want flexibility. I think quite rightly so. So, for example, I had um, chatting to a partner in a legal firm uh, in London not so long ago, and he was saying he was interviewing all the, the young people. And their number one concern was, how much time do I get off? How is my office hours structured? Can I work from home? And he was sort of saying to me, when I started, you know, I was working 80, 90 hours a week. Like, you know, who do these people think they are? And I said to them, do you know what? I think these young people are right. Why should they give up the best years of their life and sacrifice so much um, just to, to make money? It's not enough anymore. Um, they want flexibility. They want a really good live-work balance. And I think that we're stuck in the past thinking sort of the, the more sort of older generation that you should be working 60, 70 hours a week in your 20s and 30s. But maybe we were completely wrong. I think we probably were wrong. And the future is this morphing of uh, work, pleasure, uh, social time into sort of one big equation. And that's what we're trying to do. It's changing very quickly. It's very dynamic. Um, I was even talking to you earlier about the um, work from home scenario. Work from home now is kind of getting a bad name. The press have turned on it. So people that work from home are a bit lazy and this, that and the other, which isn't true. But it's getting that kind of name. So we're seeing people in Upflow, a lot of people come to want to get into the office now, but also they need that human touch. So yeah, there's huge changes happening. We're in the middle of it. It's going to continue to change because that's what the human race do. And we're just trying to stay on the curve or slightly ahead of the curve with Hubflow. Yeah, Gary, I'm kind of giggling here as you're saying that. I'm just thinking back to the beginning of my career. I think if I'd have suggested working, I wouldn't have lasted a crack. But anyway, but um, it is, I actually think uh, one of the, I mean, looking for a silver lining on the pandemic cloud that we've just experienced over the last couple of years, it has forced us to be... Um, intensely reliant on video conferencing, staying at home, staying in the same space. It's taken an awful lot of human interaction out of the equation. Uh, but I think it has shown us just how important that human interaction actually is. So I think that you're right. I think that successful organizations seeking to attract, to attract top talent will enable work from home or a flexible um, or fluid arrangement between working from home and working in the office. Uh, and I think the organizations that continue to enable that will be the winning organizations. They'll get the best talent. They'll get the happiest talent. Uh, one thing in attracting talent, uh, the other key piece to getting the most out of that talent is having a smile on their face while they're working, which in most cases uh, requires affording the right type of work-life balance. Um, and of course, providing an environment where people can be productive at work when they need to be, but equally productive at home too. Uh, and I think that's all part of the dynamic ecosystem that 
future of work. Um, exciting to me, Gary, just picking up on what you said there, because the future of work, it, 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 the sort of concept of future of work has been around for a long time. I, th- I honestly think we're maybe 20% of the way down the path to delivering the sort of future of work that we can envisage now. I just, you know, as you, um, as you made the comments that you made a little earlier related to Hubflow, would you be open to developing the types of partnerships? You're very much providing a service within assets at the moment. Would you be open, do you think, uh, as the leader of Hubflow to more dynamic and different types of partnerships with owners in future that perhaps encompass the whole building and the full corporate stack that's in the building as well as the flexibility? Yes, well, I think you're completely right in all the things you're saying. Um, it all works around one big concept, and that's time. Time is the most valuable resource in the world, and how people use their time is incredibly important now. And with the world changing, uh, computers, AI, how we manufacture things, we need less and less humans now to do that work. Um, so that's constantly changing. But in terms of Hubflow, yes, we are a very flexible company. We're constantly on a learning curve and it's literally changing by the week. And what we're looking at in the bigger picture and the rollout next year is a franchise model where we can uh, partner with like-minded people, people who have got offices and they want to put them to work and they want to, I suppose, sweat the asset if you want to be technical about it, but to create an environment that can help entrepreneurs, corporates, banks, We've all sorts of people using this space and help them be successful. I mean, the number one driver we talk about in Hubflow is we want to help our members be successful because if they're successful, we're successful. So reaching out there and expanding this across the globe, because the more Hubflows we have across the UK, Europe, Asia, the States, the more powerful the company is because the networking concepts are incredible not just from a business perspective, but someone in New York might want an office in London. They might need a boardroom in Paris. They might need uh, a meeting touchdown area in Tokyo. And that's what we have to provide now. It is a global village. And realistically, we can't uh, capex the rollout of Hubflow to all these places. So we're looking at a really cool hybrid franchise type model where we come in and support with our brand, Hubflow.com, and we make that work and we roll it out. And that is a big, big driver for our business going forward. Um, As of 2023, we see the franchise model and attracting like-minded entrepreneurs, people who want to help other businesses be successful, join us and help roll this all out. And we will support and we will get... Um, we, we will really push the brand that we achieve that. So that's a big thing for us in the future. Yeah, well, thanks, Gary. And certainly having a, yeah, having a reliable, I mean, sustainability can mean a number of things um, in a business like this. And I mean, obviously, uh, with some of the uh, earlier actors or operators in flexibility, um, that part of the industry has been, you know, to some, you know, tainted in some areas because, Users need to be able to rely on basis. They need to, I mean, particularly if you're making big corporate commitments, it's obviously easy for in, easier for individuals to move around at short notice, but for the flexible space industry to be able to make big commitments to big corporations, it needs to be able to assure them 
that it will be there for the duration and not just in the short term. Um, perhaps even more importantly, for buildings to evolve into these dynamic ecosystems, it's also important uh, for the flexible component of the asset to be there for the duration of the life of the building. Um, that, to me, has always made owner-operated flex seem like a very, very attractive part of this industry, although it, it's challenged to an extent, because they, you know, by very... Um, by, you know, by virtue of who they all are, most of the big owners around the world, there are of course some exceptions, tend to be local rather than even national or global. So creating a global network as an owner is a challenge um, or for most owners, um, with the exception of the, the few who are truly global. Again, that's where I see your aspirations, uh, the aspirations that you've just articulated and good, flexible operators partnering with owners as a really, really important part of taking the industry forward to that dynamic, flexible, that dynamic ecosystem future that certainly I see. Um, and I mean, I think a, a question for you again is, so in addition to that franchise model, is, is, is are, are, are the right types of specific partnerships with owners where you can activate fully activate full assets is that part of your future landscape or are you focused on simply growing the hubflow platform by a directly owned and franchised operations well i think we want to partner with owners of offices because there's a lot of uh, companies and and individuals out there who own office space and i'm one of them who kind of question what is the future for offices how am i going to get a reliable tenant in here who's going to pay the rent, the rates, the service charge um, on FRI leases. How are we going to do that? And really, we're looking for that type of person who's thinking outside the box. Uh, so it's incredibly important for what we're doing in Hubflow that we provide a solution that is constantly changing and dynamic to fit in with this ever-changing landscape at the minute. I mean, it really is dynamic and it's moving so quickly, uh, which is a... Uh, um, an oxymoron for property doesn't usually happen. So one of the ways we do that um, is to really focus on our CapEx OpEx spend to make sure that we're going to be around in the next five or 10 years. And uh, one thing we want to get across is we're not into this, the never, never, oh, someday we're, we're going to make these businesses successful. Every single hub flow that we open has to be cash flow positive quickly. We aim between three and six months. Um, to get them cash flow uh, positive. And that is something that's really important for the future, what we're, we're doing. And we need to be around in 25 years' time if we want to, to compete in this business. Gary, thanks. Uh, and I think that is a huge, I mean, that is not only, um, it, it's a business critical goal, and you don't see that on every business, but to give um, owners and occupiers the uh, faith in that dynamic, flexible future, it needs to be with partners that they know are there for the long term. I wanted to ask you a question, Gary, about one other thing. You're obviously an expert in managing memberships. You're doing that across a number of hub flows at the moment. I mentioned a little bit earlier on the podcast that, I mean, I think that we will start to see the industry moving away from traditional leases and by building memberships and, and assets where not just the flexible component of the asset is leased out by membership, but the whole building is. And what I mean by that is, and I think the easiest way to explain it is to liken it to an airline rewards program where 
you, I mean, let's say for argument's sake, we've Hubflow and a major landlord partnering and delivering a dynamic ecosystem uh, to a particular market instead of leases and then a flexible component. A, another corporate tenant comes and they take 100 diamond memberships for that diamond membership. They get a seat. That, that, that those 100 people get a seat in the building. They get an office in the building. They get a car parking space. They get six yoga credits, five gym credits a week, et cetera, et cetera. Then the gold memberships in the building get a little bit less and so on and so forth down the different ranks. It feels to me that that would be a much more efficient way to operate the asset and it would also feel to me that it, it would allow a lot of flexibility to come into relationships that are quite rigid at the moment. Uh, it also feels to me that it would really improve the partnership between owner and occupier. And um, I'm putting this on you at a little bit sort of short notice, but what's your reaction to that type of model? Do you think, could you see that happening or do you think it's challenged to the extent where it can't in the future? Well, yeah, I agree with you. Uh, I don't know if it's exactly the model you're speaking about, but without doubt, as far as I'm concerned, or thing of the past, like who's going to sign a 25-year deal, FRI, um, on an office block at five-year rent reviews? Uh, nowadays, like who in the who in the right mind at a, a corporate level? And I've worked in corporate for years, and we used to sign them when we were cable and wireless and MCI World companies, big companies. But there is no way you do that anymore because you don't know how your employers are going to employees are going to work, where they're going to want to work, how often they're coming in. This centre here, we have a couple of hundred members at any one point, and that's flex members. Uh, at any one point, you might be lucky to get twenty five in because they just come and go. It's a bit like a gym type scenario: they dip in, dip out, but they do need a space where not a coffee shop. That it's a place where they can get work done where they've got reliable Wi-Fi, where they can meet other like-minded business people. So that's changing dramatically. In fact, in London, we're dealing with a big telecoms company who can afford to sign FRI 25-year leases all day long. They don't want that. They want complete flexibility. We've had chats with them. They're looking at a flexible setup where they can expand, decrease, um, and come and go as they like. The one thing you mentioned, things like yoga rooms and all of that, I don't think that's part of the future. I think um, companies will want value for money. We don't, we have worked out we're not uh, a gym operator. We're not a yoga room operator. We're not a wellness center where people can go and sort of um, work on their mental health in sort of a traditional way like that. But we are a center that provides a space for people to get business done, to network, it, to be positive, uh, to get on with it. We are what we are, and we're not trying to be all these different things. One reason for that is it would blow your capex uh, through the roof. It also blows your opex through the roof because you're using so much space, wasting so much space on rooms that people don't use. So we're trying to sweat the asset in a positive way that creates environments for people to get work done, be successful. That's quite a shift in the model at the minute because if you look at a lot of the providers out there, they have all these yoga rooms and gyms and wellness areas and all of that. And I don't necessarily, we don't necessarily think it's the way to go. And it's definitely in terms of the OPEX, CAPEX side of it, not the way to go. Because ultimately, these big companies want value for money. And what they're looking is flexibility. But of course, you've got to provide a really cool, inspirational environment that's positive. Um, but the other big side of it as well is networking. 
And the other thing I think you're finding, which is really interesting, uh, whilst years ago, for example, with white label all of their buildings, now uh, companies are happy to say they work in the WeWorks of this world, the Regis's of this world or whatever. And that's where we are. We're, we're pushing hard in Hubflow brand. We've probably 135, 40 businesses in, in one of our centres and they're all happy to, to use it as, as Hubflow. So, uh, but one of the reasons is they don't want to just be in an office with their business. They're happy to be there networking, connecting with people uh, when they're getting coffees and, 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 and in the space and doing business together. I mean, the cross-proliferation of the businesses, um, marketing companies and PR companies helping fintech companies and prop tech companies is incredible. So that's what people want. They want to do business. They want to work with like-minded people who are ambitious, who work hard and who do a great job. And that's what we're focused on providing. As I said, ultimately for us, it's about helping our members be successful. And we think providing something that's value for money, that's flexible, is the way to do that. Okay, and look, and Gary, I think that's a great note to end on. But Gary McCausland, Chief Executive Officer of Richland Group and of Hubflow, thank you very much for joining us on the podcast today. It's been an absolute pleasure. Awesome, Gav. Thank you. So that's a wrap for today's show. I'd like to thank you very much for tuning in to listen today and hope to welcome you back to hear some of our future shows. As I mentioned earlier, if you'd like to learn a little bit more about me, look at www.poplex.com, that's P-R-O-P-N-X.com, or drop me a line on gavinrmorgan at popnex.com. That's G-A-V-I-N-R-M-O-R-G-A-N at propnex.com. I hope to hear from you soon. And thank you very much again for tuning in today. All the very best.